Welcome to episode 19 of Keeping It A Hundo. Today's guest is Chase Scott. He's the author of The New Guy Code. He's also known for his TED Talk, and he's the team chaplain for the Miami Heat. I went to University of Miami with Che. He's a friend of mine. We played on a lot of basketball teams together. As a matter of fact, the last team we played on together, Che ruptured his patella tendon. It was a pretty gruesome injury, and I had to help carry him off the court. So needless to say, we haven't been on the court together in a while. We've both been dealing with some injuries. We recently got together in Miami to discuss his book, The New Guy Code, about his abstinence, how tough it is to just say no to these women in Miami. More importantly, about how boys should be treating girls starting at a young age and how men should be treating women. Che is definitely an anomaly in many different ways. And there are challenges that come along with it as we discuss, but I think Che's a natural leader and it's not that difficult for him to live a life that's very different than the average man. I can't say I agree with Che on everything and I definitely don't live the same as Che, but I've always admired him and I respect him and I've always enjoyed talking to him and picking his brain about what's his motivation behind the way he lives. So sitting down with him was a treat and I apologize that we went a little bit long today. I hope everybody had a happy fourth and now that the Celtics own the East for the next several years, LeBron is gone. So on to the podcast. I really pride myself in having guests on the show that are different. And Che is exactly that. He's very different. Well, for one, he's on the opposite end of the scale from last week's guest, Diamond. But even to a person like me or my peers or our peers, his lifestyle is is quite different in many ways. Even though we have a lot of parts of our lives that intersect, there's the basketball and the travel I mean, we even live in the same neighborhood. We, we live in walking distance of each other. But I challenge you today to listen to this conversation with Che and try to gain something from it and try to put it into use in your own life. He's an example of someone who's not just talking about it, but he's actually doing it. He makes the world a better place. I'm very confident in saying that. Here's my conversation with Chase Scott. One in the air for the people ain't here. Two in the air for the father that's there. Three in the air for the kids in the ghetto. Four for the kids that don't want to be there. None for the niggas trying to hold him back. Five in the air for the teachers not scared to tell those kids that's living in the ghetto that the niggas holding back that the world is theirs. Yeah, yeah, the world is yours. I was once that little boy, terrified of the world. Now I'm on a world tour. I will give up everything, even start a world war for these ghetto girls and boys. I'm rapping around the world for Africa. New York, Haiti, then I detour. Oakland out to Oakland. Gossip strip to Detroit. Say hip hop only destroy. Tell them, look at me, boy. I hope your son don't have a gun and never be a D boy. So I'd like to start today talking about something that's relevant in the news right now. It's it's uh, very disturbing. Okay. Uh, and I think you know this person, <laughs> Kellen Winslow. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I've been reading the articles. I'm disgusted. I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't. I didn't know him. 
I was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, around him at times, being at school and whatnot, playing basketball or in the gym. And I've heard personal stories about him and his character and whatnot. And I just wanted to get your take on it. Were you teammates with him at one point? Yeah, obviously, you know, the, the brief time that I was at the University of Miami um, when I was with the football team, um, I, I did know him. And, uh, yeah, I, obviously I saw the news this weekend, and it's certainly uh, troubling. Uh, now I, I'll say that that everything is fresh and new, so we don't really know anything. There's sure, very limited you, you amount of information. You can't convict him yet. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I hope what we're seeing is not true, and that's that could be my only hope, not only from a, a human perspective, but from a, a lot from the perspective of what we're talking about today and what I'm about. Yeah, obviously you can't help but be somewhat be not somewhat but definitely troubled by the allegations just to let the listeners in on it uh, they might not be as up to date with this stuff as we are considering our ties to University of Miami and Kellen Winslow the second played at Miami back when I think was he your year yeah well he I was there 0203 so he was a year I think 01 through 05 okay yeah. So he came in right around the same time. Is, is it Shay or Che? Che. Okay, because yeah. I hear people say, well, I say Che. And I never correct anybody, so okay. that's why. <laughs> Today's guest is Che Scott. He is, are you currently the team chaplain with the Heat? Yeah. Or a yeah. former team chaplain? Yeah, I'm still, still with the Heat. Still, still with the Heat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Authored two books. We're going to talk about a couple of those. A little further with the Kellen Winslow thing, just so people know what we're talking about. He's been accused of, he's basically been targeting elderly women to sexually assault and, you know, indecent exposure to rape, to assault, to very disturbing things we've been hearing. And, you know, he's a star football player at Miami and had a great NFL career. His dad is a prestigious member of the community in San Diego and a Hall of Fame football player. Just hope the stuff's not true, but yeah. So that leads me to the next topic, which is mental illness. Yeah. And I feel like if this is true, this is some form of mental illness. Yeah. This is not someone being, uh, you know, arrogant or mm-hmm. you know, uh, being a spoiled, right? You know, athlete mm-hmm. or something. And I think some of these outlets that we've been seeing lately, as far as the suicides mm-hmm. and uh, this type of behavior. It's troubling, and we spoke at lunch about how you kind of foresaw these things. Yeah, with the what based on the country's divide. I mean, it kind of yeah. parallels the country. Yeah, I think so. I think we're um, um, becoming not necessarily a, a color barrier or anything like that, but we're becoming segregated as a society. And again, not segregation like a, apartheid or segregation as we know it, where it's black and white, but I think just being segregated as people. Um, I think we're, we isolate very easily, even though we have so many um, norms of communication. Um, we are, I think we, we constantly feel like we're being left out of something. People always post the good stuff about their lives. And so it's not, it's pretty normal to sit there and say, well, all this stuff is happening. Uh, this person is traveling here and doing this and doing that, and I'm not doing anything. So we kind of depress ourselves constantly picking up the phone every morning first thing that we're doing um, is scrolling and seeing what everybody else is what's going on and what happened last night and what I didn't get invited to so we are struggling socially and I think we are um, facing a lot of issues with depression furthering the point on mental illness and depression Mm -hmm. I don't know 
how close you were. I know you were pretty close to the situation with Abeku. Yeah. And we had a friend, uh, like I said, Che was closer to him than I was. I used to just play basketball yeah, with him yeah, and I yeah. knew him through mm-hmm. friends. Again, another situation of mental mm-hmm. illness, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he basically committed suicide and uh, yeah. did he kill one or two people? Yeah, double murder and suicide. Double murder, suicide at a, a Equinox? Yeah. In Coral Gables, Florida, uh, last year, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's funny because I was, uh, it's uh, actually a day before my birthday, so. Every birthday, I always have That's, to, you know, yeah. yeah. So April eighth, yeah. Obviously, I I think there were certainly deeper issues that maybe we could have seen some stuff on the surface, but I think there's some really some stuff that no one could have seen. And uh, you know what? It uh, obviously you you hurt for all the families because uh, I, I knew everyone involved. Um, I knew Obeku. You I, worked out of the gym, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I knew everyone involved. So you grieve for. You grieve for their family who lost um, their son, their daughters, their you know their spouses to by being murdered, and then you also grieve um, for Breaku's family as well too, and um, because obviously he he has a family as well too, and his mom who I keep in contact with um, sometimes is uh, you know she she grieves as well too, and she's a person and she she lost a son as well too, and that's. That's what's tough about all, all the stuff that we see, and even you know going back to what what's happening with what you just what we talked about with Kellen when we talk about these issues of mental illness. You know, I, I think so many things happen, and we can easily look at the the evil that's being done, and obviously those things have to be corrected, and people have to be held accountable for their behavior. But I do think that we have to start to figure out what's going on with people because it, it, none of the, these behaviors from either individual reflect who we knew them to be, you know? Which br- that brings up my point. Unless you've known somebody who's maybe been one of the perpetrators of a crime like mm-hmm. this or this type of tragedy, you don't realize these are normal, seemingly normal people that yeah. are well-adjusted and mm-hmm. good people and yeah. people you can count on for things and not, these aren't raving lunatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, there's illness involved that just sends them in a different direction. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way to correct this, though, and I, I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah, you know, and I think there, there is to be, a, there has to be a way to do it. And, um, you know, I try to, you know, whenever I'm asked these questions, not to ju- not to go off on these um, assumptions, um, but there are, there are things that you do notice, and I, I do believe that part of one of the things that we're sh- we are struggling socially, and this idea, I think, one of the things not only are we divided as a culture, I think there's issues with materialism. There's so many different things that that capture our attention, and and basically, we are not as uh, intra perspective uh, uh, society we're not we don't look within as, as as often and the reason why I'm saying this is that I think we're struggling with so many things socially and we we have this idea that we don't have and we need this and we do that and I think we we're driving ourselves crazy I'm saying that because I, I've, I spend time in societies and countries and in cultures that are a lot less well off than we are and I don't see the level of same level of depression or stress and sure. people saying I need this or my you know I'm bummed out or whatever. As a matter of fact, uh, you know you often find you know you, you go to a different part of the world you see a woman carrying a bucket of water on her neck for almost a mile 
and she's still smiling at you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like she doesn't know about depression. Exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And the guy driving down the street in a Mercedes is like flipping you off, you know, because yeah. he's five minutes late. Yep. Exactly. So I, I think there's certainly something that we have to address of what really, what's really important. I saw a study recently that was interesting. It was about income related to yeah. depression. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically like as long as you make enough money to have the needs, yep. which mm -hmm. they, they, they said the, the point was right around 75 grand a year or mm -hmm. something. Right. And then it goes up to about maybe 175, 200. Mm -hmm. Those people are happy. Yeah. And then beyond that, mm -hmm. there's a lot of depression, oh, yeah. suicides higher, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And we know that because those people have more stress. They mm -hmm. have... They have a higher standard to meet in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, and it's funny because whenever the issue with uh, with material things and with money, and I, it's not a bad thing. I think it provides us the opportunity to do a lot of things. It it gives us the ability to help others, and it provide you know, and it helps us to to live the life, live out some of our own personal dreams. But I do see it, it can become a trap where it becomes so one of those things where I never have enough, you know, and if, if that becomes that the end goal, then there's never, there's never a billion is not going to be enough, you know, because you're a billion, then I need a billion and one, and then I need a billion and two. And so if that's the end goal, I don't think you're, you're ever going to be happy. So I, I, I do agree with you on that. I realized a while ago that the reason why I want to accumulate mm -hmm. a certain amount of money. Right so I can do things like mm -hmm. a podcast. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do this if I was grinding, exactly. working 80 hours a exactly. week and paycheck yeah. to paycheck. I've got to a point where I can do something like a podcast that I'm passionate about that I'm making zero dollars doing, mm -hmm. actually losing a little money doing. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy it and I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. This is this is why having money is a good thing. Exactly. You can do the things that bring Absolutely. you joy, whether it's travel or mm -hmm. uh, a hobby or, yeah. uh, you know. I agree. And I, you know, and there's a difference between, you know, ambition is not a bad thing. You know, I actually, um, I'm a big proponent of, you know, let me, I'll say it this way. I, I've seen way too many people without much values who are incredibly driven and, and motivated and ambitious. And I've seen really good people who have no drive and ambition. So unfortunately, we sometimes live in a world where that and society is run by people who have a lot of ambition, but no morals, no values. And then you have good people who just sit on the side. So I'm very big on seeing people with good values, good morals, be driven to want to do things too. Yeah, it'd be nice to have those two things coexist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd It's be funny, like a lot of the things that you say, like you speak about society as a whole divided, and then you speak about what you just said about um, the part about leaders and people in high positions not having morals. Everything, like, I can't help but, like, Trump. Everything just <laughs> leans to me towards Trump. Exactly. And you said something in one of your TED Talks mm -hmm. about, I think it's from one of your books you, you spoke about in the TED Talk, about building a wall to protect mm -hmm. uh, your girl or your daughter. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it was in 2015 you gave that talk. Uh -huh. And then next thing you know, the country is talking about building a wall yeah. to, to keep out Mexicans and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you said was instead of building a wall, build culture and build values. Yeah, exactly. And which is what we should be doing with other mm -hmm. countries, especially the ones we border. Right. Instead yeah. of keeping them out. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, I, and that's the challenging part of, you know, because I, I have, obviously, I'm a, a, a part of who I am is my own personal spiritual beliefs and stuff like that. There's so much there. So one, one of the things that I don't 
make a habit of bashing leaders or bashing politicians or anything like that because one of the things I also I also don't know what it's like to be in, the, in that position I don't know what it's like to make a decision that affects a billion people you know not just in our country but in other countries L let me say this um, if, if we're going to ask the question about politics and I've said this that I do believe that politicians and leaders reflect society and whatever when we look at our leaders then we should look we, we're saying we're looking at ourselves in the mirror whether we want to say we agree with this person or not how does a person become 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 in that position if we say this person and i'm not saying anyone is if, if we say this person is low on values if we say that they they're selfish if we say that they're greedy if we say all these things how do they come to that position unless society has somewhat shifted in that direction yeah you know and i so i think that's where it is so i think overall if we if we focus ourselves on our values then i think our leaders will reflect the values good or bad i think it's a good point and it's a pretty strong metaphor <laughs> for you know us as a whole yeah yeah so let's talk more specifically about your passions. Let's speak about your book, the the new guy code. Okay. What is the new guy code? Uh, you know, by your words. Yeah, by definition, it's a renewed it's a renewed vision for male interaction as it relates to females. You know, so we basically uh, I'll say this from unfortunately when we are are training as boys, I think somewhere about between twelve and fourteen, we start to really engage with girls, and we, there's not too much teaching going on there's nobody there saying this is how you should do it and what happens is normally there's a boy or two that's in the crowd who has a little bit more experience than the rest of us and then he starts to tell us this is what you need to do so ultimately the first teaching that we get about our interaction with girls is about what we need to do to them so that you could come back to the group and report what you did you know what I mean so it's really just a report card it's a reporting system yeah and so there's no one that teaches us that um, at that time that, well, they're people, uh, they're humans, uh, they have families, uh, they're people, they have people that care about them. There are, there are mothers, there are sisters, there are daughters. And so when we, so if we, if this is our teaching and this is what we're taught from the onset, you know, it, it's not surprising that we have so many issues where even as, as men, we, we can't, hang around with a group of guys without somebody talk saying something bad about a girl or saying talk reporting back about what he did to this girl or whatever like you know so i i think it's just trying to change that whole narrative and then trying to focus trying to trying to explain the social issues that come with that when we don't when we don't address these what was your spiritual awakening you had in college where you changed your whole mindset towards women and towards premarital sex and things like that. Yeah. Because you've basically gone abstinent since then, correct? Yeah, and it's not, you know, and obviously, let me, you know, um, I try to be honest and open with everything that I, everything that I do, that I, I, obviously abstinence is an absolute struggle, even with uh, spiritual beliefs. So I have even found it in the past two years of my life to be the, one of the most challenging things, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's funny, the past two years have been more, have been way more difficult than the previous 10 years you know and i don't know if it's fatigue i don't know if it's just you know getting a little bit older and so one of the things that i i always try to be clearing up front that is my my own personal beliefs is that you know sex is better off in a committed relationship you know so that that certainly is is my belief there that brings me to my next question how do you view monogamous relationships people who are committed to each other that not married 
Yeah. You know, don't have children together. They're just monogamous. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, sex mm-hmm. is a, a big part of relationships. Yeah, no, you're right. And and a healthy part. Absolutely. And, you know, you're asking some tough questions, man. And, uh, <laughs> but I like it. I like it. You know, I don't think it's my place. I think, again, I, I come from a, a background spiritually where my belief and our belief is that sex operates better in the commitment of marriage. Now, we do live in a society, in a, in a city, in a world that is, one, here are some challenges. People don't get married as early as they used to. People are, are very afraid that they're thinking like, well, I don't really like this person, um, but I just want to have sex. And it's not even really that. There are people that are really afraid of, you know, well, I was married before and this is what happened and I, I can't just jump back into a marriage because I want to have sex. So I, I trust me, man. I'm living it myself as a single person that it's incredibly, incredibly challenging. There's, these are things that I have to think about, like, okay, can I date her? Can I date her? Can I date, you know, those kinds of things. So that's, you know, I don't know if I have the easy answer for you, but I would say this, that sex is, I, I, in my opinion, better in a committed relationship, you know? I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. There is some confusion with me. Not mm-hmm. I don't know if confusion is the word. Yeah, just yeah. maybe... Uh, differing um, value system or something. Right, 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 right. If I am in a committed relationship yeah. with somebody, monogamous relationship, fully respecting the woman yeah. with every intention mm-hmm. to follow through with this woman yeah. to the furthest point. Right. Uh, I wanna, you know, we have our goals are to, you know, first become monogamous or committed, mm-hmm. then become maybe engaged, then married, yeah, yeah, then yeah, children. Yeah. If those are our goals and that's what we're working towards, yeah. am I tainting that woman by engaging in sex before we get to that point because what i've read in your books is if you you know basically have sex with women that you're not that you don't marry or whatever you're kind of tainting them for later on no you know and and you have to understand that that the new guy code my focus is on really on a so you're in a different life stage you know when you're you're 20 you're 30 than when you're 14 years old. Yep. You know, so Okay, it, so the guy code is more targeted towards boys. Yeah, we're trying to men. see how do we shape a generation of men. Now, obviously, if you know, a 16-year-old boy sleeping with every girl in his in his high school, he's not going to he's probably not going to marry one of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. necessarily. And ultimately, there's so much damage that can happen in, you know, at, at that stage of your life, you know. You um, think basically like holding out as long as you can like to not basically not having this reckless exploration of sex as a young kid yeah. or teenager or yeah absolutely like that. absolutely I, well i don't think it's i don't think no, i'm not saying i agree yeah but that makes a lot more sense yeah to me. yeah and i don't and i don't know that it's healthy at any age to be honest with you yeah. because i i don't think that uh you know i had a friend years ago and he was working with this company and he was doing really well with the company that one part of one of the things that they would do as a reward especially for the male the male employees they would take them to these strip clubs and uh when they when they went to these strip clubs they wouldn't even give them money because he was taking the money and not even participating so eventually they started just giving them credit so he found himself like in these relationships with these with these workers i guess uh, if you want to call them that so he calls me one day and live middle of the night and he says you know i'm 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 struggling because i used to feel bad when i when i did this and he had a girlfriend at the time now i don't feel bad anymore and what i told him was this is that 
it's not necessarily that what you're doing is no longer causing pain. It's just that you've paralyzed the emotion to to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. So if I hit my hand with a hammer, like desensitize. Exactly. So yeah, you hit yourself with a hammer. The first time you're gonna feel it. The fifth time you're gonna feel it. The two hundredth time you don't feel it anymore. But you're still messing up your hand. Exactly. You know. So I don't think, and maybe it's just me. Maybe there's a part of me, and I may I can't say what another guy feels. I can't say what another girl feels. I haven't. I know when I've crossed that line sexually with a person, it's hard for me to just say, okay, well, that was that, you know? And so for me, it's a little bit more emotional. It's a little bit more care for the individual. So for me, I would say personally, I, I try not to put myself in that situation because I, I can't just get up and just say, well, okay, well, that was just sex. Let's just be friends. You know, let's just, uh, I'll see you when I see you. So how much has this affected your relationships? How does this affect your interactions with women when that you're interested in? Oh, I mean, I, I think it, it's affected it. You know, I don't think, uh, I, it doesn't affect me in the way that I say, well, okay, well, I'm going to make a decision to go in another direction. But at the same time, on the positive side, it's helped me to weed out some people. Sometimes you, there are girls that come to me with intentions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think when, and when that position is laid before them, how I feel about then I think you start to see certain things, uh, people pull away or something like that. So it's a Can good, you kind of just tell when your values don't align? Yeah. And then it's kind of like, okay, I see yeah. this is not going to work for us. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a good litmus test for me to see what a person, you know, what, what a person values. And I'm not saying necessarily that I'm better than them or whatever, or I think less of them, but I, I, I have seen it where... It's, it's funny you say that because I notice a lot of times with like, You're the type of guy who I may, at a younger age, I would get these feelings towards. Mm -hmm. Guys who don't drink, (laughs) guys who are abstinent, guys who don't curse. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like I'm being judged. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or like someone who's super religious. You feel like you're being judged. Like, oh, this guy is weaker than me. Mm -hmm. He can't reach this spiritual level that I'm at. Like, I I can abstain from sex or alcohol Mm -hmm. or cursing and... I've always felt this like I think it's common mm-hmm. to feel kind of like not like oh he's better than me but it's like almost it's almost that mm-hmm. like he he looks at me differently no I, you know what not I, as a peer no you know what I have I have my I think you can say we've known each other for for, for a long time and yeah, maybe uh, 15 years or yeah, something exactly and I don't I would say some even probably the mass vast majority of my friends don't necessarily always believe what I believe. Sure. You know, my, my best friend, we're not on the same level spiritually. I wouldn't even probably even say sometimes morally, you know, yeah, yeah. but uh, that's my, that's my friend. I don't need people to believe what I believe, but they, they should know that I believe. So what I would say more than anything, or I don't believe think, in you. Yeah. Would you, you know, in the time that we've known each other, I think you're, you're pretty sure what I, you know what I believe. You, you don't have to doubt that. Like, I think there's been a consistent, that, you know, I probably wouldn't even be on your podcast today if it wasn't if you didn't see it consistent. If you saw that I was saying this, but you knew acting a different exactly, way, exactly, then you wouldn't even we wouldn't even be having this. I conversation. seen you get kind of wild on the basketball. Yeah, that's court. right. <laughs> that's why I avoided it, right? A bit. Exactly, right? <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah. Your, your behavior has always been consistent since I've known you. I don't doubt you. Um, I I admire it. At the same time, I. I have a million questions. Yeah, yeah. Because I, it's it's impressive and at the same time confusing. Right, exactly. And I think that's where I've, I've never 
said, you know, went out and said, well, I need to do this or I need to change this person's way of thinking. I think my life and I think which is the model of Jesus. Jesus loved people and he cared about people. And I think he cared about people in such a radical way that people wanted to model that same kind of behavior. You know, there's a guy named C.S. Lewis, an amazing Christian author. And he says of all the virtues of, of a Christian life, purity is, is the, by far the toughest. It's the most challenging. And so when you go to you go to these kids camp and you have these parents and they're they're hammering their kids like, Don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, you know, wait till you're married, wait till you're married and the kid says, Did you guys wait till you were married? And he's like, Nah, <laughs> you know. We wait they even if they wish they did, they know that it's incredibly challenging. So I don't want hear anyone to hear me say, Well, this is just something so simple. I, I'm telling you that even for me, the past two years of trying of being trying to be this person has been the most difficult in my entire life. You know what I mean? Has it been specific situations? Like, are you dating someone and you just know that that's the next step? Kind of yeah. it feels natural. Oh, maybe absolutely. For it to be the absolutely. Next step. absolutely. And then does the relationship kind of end? No, I mean, you know, there are times where lines have been crossed. Uh, there are times that well, I, I'll say this: it's important that I follow through on my side of it. If I'm going to tell you that, that's what it is. So I'm not telling you that you need to do what I do. But if I told you that I'm going to do it, it's important that I follow through on my side. And I think that's an integrity thing. You know, to go, I guess, going back to what I was saying as well, that I have a deep admiration for people who not, who not necessarily believe what I believe, but people who say that they're doing something, but actually follow through on it. You know what I mean? So I'm very drawn to people who pursue what they say they're after. You know what I mean? So the, the, when, when you're driving up 95, say that I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. But if I see somebody who says, man, I'm an artist, and I see that guy on the side of the road painting and he's committed to his art. I admire that yeah, because yeah, yeah. he is doing what he said, you know, he or she is doing what they say that they're they're committed. So to. which brings me to something that I think connects us. Yeah. My monogamy in my yeah. current relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hold my head up high. I have yeah. a certain amount of pride yeah. uh -huh. knowing that I treat my girlfriend the right, right. way. Absolutely. There's nobody out there who's going to listen to this podcast and, you know, yeah, say yeah. otherwise. Exactly. Because, and I don't. Right. So I don't feel uncomfortable saying right. that. I've never strayed yeah. in my relationship. Mm -hmm. And it, there's, a, there's a certain amount of pride involved in that. And Absolutely. I know the pride that you have, yeah. you know, achieving what you've achieved over the past what, 12, 13 years? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, 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 the pride and the struggle, I, I would say the pride. The pride for me, I think what keeps me, I guess, focused more than anything, it's not necessarily for me to tell a story. But I, I, I'll say this from a new guy code perspective. There are a lot of women, and obviously coming off of a Me Too movement, who, and I've seen this, who are just craving to have a guy around them who's just not trying to sleep with them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And um, I don't know Objectifying if you... Objectifying them. Or... Exactly. And, and uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, in his, I don't know if you saw one of his last stand-ups, but he was talking about the Me Too thing and he, yep. when he had to walk home with a bunch of money. And that, and he talked about that one time he had to walk about how insecure he felt that somebody would, you know. And he said, imagine having to walk around your whole life with oh, something that right, somebody right. Yes. wants, you know. Yes, yes. And basically, he talked about the female, the, the vagina. And yep. he says, because again, going back to our teaching as males, we believe that it's our whole passion in life is to get to that woman mm -hmm. and to take advantage of her. What happens after that? We've never really thought that far ahead, mm -hmm. but we need to. We need to get to her body, and so I think. I think for me, the value in knowing that there are probably women out there who say, "Well, I don't understand Shay." There are probably 
some who question my the validity. Uh, there are some who question if I'm gay. But I'll say this. The women that I know, they may question why I do it, but they'll never question my character. You know, and so they'll never say, well, Che took advantage of me. Right. Well, che, you know what I mean? Right. And I can, and I can say this, that, and, um, that in, in, at least for that moment, being a guy who can see value in them more than trying to sleep with them, I can say that I invested in her life, mm -hmm. whether, whether somebody believes, believes in that perspective or not. That reminds me of a situation I was in, I don't know, a few years back, mm -hmm. and I was talking to a girl, getting to know her. We hung out a couple times. We weren't sleeping together. We yeah. weren't committed or anything. Yeah, yeah. She came over late one night after a, a, a trip, mm -hmm. and she came by. I told her I was tired. I was going to bed soon, but she's welcome to stop by. Yeah, so yeah. she stopped by. I had no intentions of yeah. anything. I, mm -hmm. My intentions were... Oh, I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, It'd be yeah. nice to see her. Mm -hmm. So she comes by and she says, I'm really tired. I don't feel like driving home. <laughs> Fine. You can stay over. No problem. Yeah, yeah. So I just wasn't at that point with this girl yet. Mm -hmm. So we go to sleep and she sleeps on her side and I sleep on my side. Yeah. And I don't, I don't <laughs> try to do anything. Right. So the reason why this is interesting to me is because it relates to situations you've been in. And it's also comes full circle with the podcast. Yeah. This girl had a podcast. Uh, she didn't know I knew about, we never spoke about her podcast, yeah. but I found it because we were Facebook friends and yeah. she posted them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I decided to listen to one. Yeah. And she starts telling the story about this guy, <laughs> I really liked him, blah, 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 I stopped yeah. by the house. Mm -hmm. And you know, we went to bed and he didn't try to sleep with me. Right. And she questioned my sexuality, right. mm -hmm. um, maybe he had an STD, mm -hmm. um, what else was it? Oh, he doesn't know hand how to handle a black woman. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I have a resume, yeah, I'll show it to little, you. Little, you know, right? <laughs> right, I, it, it was just, it was nuts to me yeah, that this yeah. is, she's putting it, uh, granted yeah. she didn't put my name right, out there, right, but right. she's putting it mm -hmm. out there in the, for public right, consumption right. Mm -hmm. that I may be these things. Uh -huh. And it, it's hurtful. Yeah. And so I can only imagine you've heard plenty of those things before. I had a, a situation uh, once and this is a great friend of mine right and um that we were you know talking through should we you know is this something more than a friendship you know um potentially starting to date and when we first started getting to know each other i wasn't sure if i was interested in her. as a matter of fact i wasn't i wasn't interested in her you know so i noticed uh, a little bit of a di a little bit of a distance in coming between us i couldn't understand it and when we, when the, when we had the conversation about, you know, what happened. And she basically said to me that she didn't feel like I was interested because of my lack of physical, you know, not being physical with her. You know what I mean? Like I want, I, she expected me to come on. To That's her how you to, show interest. Exactly. So what I said, I flipped the situation on her. All right. So I was like, I wasn't sure if I was interested. So therefore I didn't want to do something where in the end, I come off as, you know, I'm doing something and then tell you that I, I'm no longer interested. I'm not interested. I can't follow through with exactly. what my body's doing. Exactly. So, yeah. So, let, let you know, the opposite happens. Let's say the opposite happens. Okay. Let's let's just do whatever you want to do. Let's let's follow through. Let's, let's have sex. Let's do whatever you want to do. And then I come back to you and say, well, I'm not sure if I'm interested. Would we still be friends today? So, so you're, you, she may not have 
You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And she didn't understand my action at the time. But Mm -hmm. the only reason she still respects me today is because I did what she didn't expect me to do. And I think it hurts them in the short term, but in the long run, they're going to like and respect you more. Yeah. And I, you know, I share this in the the second, second edition, New Guy Code, but there is all kinds of stories. But I think one of the proudest things, proudest personal moments for me. There was a girl years ago. We, we've all had situations where girls are a little bit too crazy about us. And this girl was crazy about me. You know, everything I, I wrote or said, she made a comment about. And I knew that I could do whatever or have her do whatever I wanted, you know. And there are times, honestly, where I was just like, ah, oh, it's a boring Friday night. Let me just give her a call. You know, let's just go hang out with her. I know she'd do whatever I want to anyways, right? Yeah. But it, it, it never happened. I never got to that point where I did that. Probably a couple months later, whether it's a year later, you know, she had gotten over me and realized I wasn't budging at the time. But I realized she started to hang out with this other dude. This dude is madly in love with her. They're married now, very happily married now. Now, imagine me in that time. Okay, here's this girl that's crazy about me. I didn't ask her to be crazy about Wasting me. Wasting her time. Yeah, let me waste her time. This dude who comes along, who's right for her, comes along. She's still broken because Che did whatever he wanted to her, didn't care about her. She doesn't trust guys anymore. She's not in a place to accept that kind of love. So that whatever either doesn't happen or their marriage doesn't happen or is delayed because I felt like I should do whatever I want because she was willing. You know what I mean? So I can say, I can look back at her and say, I'm so glad I never followed that fleshly desire because look what happened to her because i was i decided to you know be what i do what i believe that's cool so you're out here dropping assists yeah right exactly (laughs) i know you hit the boards and you get some buckets you get an assist now (laughs) exactly that guy owes you one you sure yeah (laughs) sure it does so i had a stripper on last week yeah which is a great contrast to today's Uh guest Uh could you ever date a stripper like, is that something that's just off the table? What if she, her morals and values are al- aligned with yours? <laughs> she doesn't sleep with people. She's not, she's abstinent. She's religious. She, whatever that your what are your, uh, the things you look for in a woman? What are the main values you look for? Okay, let me, let me say, what are the most, what are the first two things I do in the morning? My first, the first things that I try to do in the morning, I do have my moments of reflection. So for me, I, I start with scripture. So I usually get up, I say, I do a prayer, and then I read a little bit. Those are the first things. And then the second thing is, is the gym. So anyone who I'm, do I, do I think I need to be with someone who has that same, no, I'm, I'm an intense person. You know what I mean? Whatever I do, I do all the way through. So I don't, I don't think I need to be with someone who is, who is a monk or somebody who is necessarily on that level as far as doing those same things but I think anyone who you're with has to understand that it's such a big part of who I am you know so like for me I always say you know uh, my, my my spiritual life and my workout and exercise that's the next thing I do in the morning you know so if feed you, your spirit yeah, feed your mind it, feed your body exactly if she don't work out we won't work out you yeah. know so yeah. those kind of, so I think those things are too are, are important to me so I, I think anyone who I was with those things would have to that she would under have to understand that. now to be would I am I here to judge anyone or to say that anything about this person who I don't absolutely don't even know or know anything about her no I I don't I'm not here to judge anyone or to say anything negative about her but it would hard for me to say that I think being a stripper in me and who I am I, I think you'd obviously see an obvious clash in you know in 
objectives and personality. You, know you ever I mean? been to a strip club? Um, yeah, years ago. Years ago, I think early on in college. I, as, as a matter of fact, my my <laughs> this is this is funny. So my my first. I think it's like one of my first weekends in Miami when I get, you know, I'm somewhere around like the, freshman year and yeah. I, well, I transferred in, so I'm, I'm oh, around okay, the team guys, and you know, we go out and they're like, we're going out. So at that time, you assume everything that what everybody thinks about Miami when you're going out, you're going to South Beach, especially at that time, right, you know, right, early right. 2000s. So you're never, from West Palm, yeah. Just exactly. so the listeners know, he. He yeah. knew a little bit about Miami, but he grew up in West Palm, which is a very different world, even though it's not that far away. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, so I, I see um, the guys are going out, and I was like, this doesn't look like the, the route to South Beach. So we go into this bar club, and I'm like, Coco's or Rolex? <laughs> one of Probably them. one of them. And I'm like, wow, that girl's not wearing much clothes at all. And I was like, that girl's not wearing a lot of clothes either. I'm like, this is a strip club, <laughs> you know? And then, I, obviously, I, I mean, I've been, I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I'm some kind of saint. But, yeah, I, I think it, in West Palm, I think uh, I've been to one or two. But I, I probably, I haven't been to anywhere like that probably since 2003. In your role as the chaplain of the Miami Heat, was there ever a pregame sermon or a speech that you gave that mm -hmm. you was very memorable, that you remember for certain reasons, maybe uh, the, the, the room was tense or emotional? Well, there are two. The most awkward situations I've ever been in was the during that really, some of those Indiana-Miami series where those guys were just really getting at it. You know I mean? You guys had guys coming in the chapel with like band-aids on their eyes and stuff like that. And you're just sitting there like, man, dudes can start fighting right now, you know? <laughs> and so I think that was most tense. I, I would say the most memorable, and I share this one a lot, but he wouldn't mind me saying it, but I had an experience with Jeremy Lin years ago, and actually they did a, a paper on this. Uh, I did a couple stories that actually went national because um, Udonis uh, shared the story. Okay. The, the Knicks were playing the Heat, and these guys come in the chapel, and I think there was like four Knicks players that came in, and there was three of our three Heat guys. And, you know, there are a couple guys from the Knicks that you obviously recognize. And then there's this... Can you break down the way that the chapel works? Like, yeah, Because yeah. I, I think most people yeah, don't really yeah, know how yeah. to... So the NBA chapel is a function of uh, the NBA Players Association. So it's not necessarily when, when we say, like, the Miami Heat or what I'm, I'm just here in Miami. So I'm not necessarily with the Miami Heat. I'm just an NBA chaplain in Miami. So 60 minutes before each NBA game, there's a chapel service that happens. So any player or can attend this this night. And where is this done? Yeah, it's usually it's a room in the arena. So does it look like? A, no, no, no. It's a not like a build. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, like for instance, it's a piece of the locker room. Yeah, no, it's like a it's like a separate. Like right now, where we meet is actually where the the D League teams used to play, or where the WNBA team when Got they it. were here would be here. So whatever room they designate for that for that function for the okay. night, we just call it chapel, and. Um, yeah, so both both teams have access to it 60 minutes before tip-off, and that usually lasts around 10 to 15 minutes. So years ago, we were playing the Knicks, and Jeremy Lin was one of the guys there. And, you know, usually they, they come in at different times, whether it's, you know, a minute or two apart. And I usually ask the guys, you know, what's going on? You know, how, is there anything specific that I can be praying for you uh, for? And, you know, there's this guy comes in there. No one knows who he is, unless you're probably from... California or Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Harvard. Exactly. So it was one of the most pure because most of these guys are always, you know, for my health and for my family and for my travel. It's always the same cookie cutter thing, you know. And this guy, Jeremy, comes in and he's just the most purest 
honest, more humble, and you know, just open prayers. Like you know, I don't know what's gonna happen uh, next week. Uh, we're doing it's the deadline. They're gonna do cuts. At the time, I think there were four point guards on the on the Knicks roster. He was the only one that didn't have a guaranteed contract. So obviously, he's not playing. They don't have to pay him if they cut him. Yeah. So obviously, he's the guy that's gonna get cut. And I, man out. Yeah, exactly. So I, I walked out of that chapel, and I don't know why. Like I just kept on thinking about this guy. So I sent a message to a couple of my friends, and I was just like, you know, there's this guy that came to chapel last night, and you you won't know who he is, but his name is Germany Lynn, and you know, can you just just keep this guy in your prayer? I don't know what's going to happen with him next week, but I've just been thinking about him, and it just it, the guy, he, his name, he just kept on coming up again, and I just kept on thinking about him. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying this happened had anything to do with me. I'm sure there was multiple other factors. Less than a week later, insanity, insanity happened. That's awesome. You know, so you're talking about going from probably, probably make, getting cut that the following week. We did did he specifically pray for like I need to make the team or something? I need minutes. Was he talking no, about like no, basketball? No, or? I think he just you know I just don't know what's gonna happen. Okay. Just pray, you know it's just the just for for God to guide him in that and you know I'm telling you man, insanity was the next thing. and, and obviously awesome. that was like a month the biggest thing in sports for yeah. like a month. So I think that was probably the, one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. So now I challenge the guys like you know be authentic with what's going on in your life, you know. We know that you want you to be healthy. We know that you're going to travel. And we know that you have families, you know. But what's really going on in your life, you know. Yeah. I think I think a lot of times when I pray, it's mm -hmm. I feel like I'm um, taking things for granted if mm -hmm. I don't thank for the simple things that are obvious, like mm -hmm. for having, uh, being healthy and yeah, being, yeah. Uh, having great parents or yeah, something. Like yeah. these are things I, I want to thank the Lord for. Yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe there, maybe I need to be a little more specific because you feel you feel uh, selfish if you just, uh, you know, if I something that's really important yeah, in my yeah. life would be say, oh, I want this podcast to blow up, yeah, yeah, and you know, speaking about that and not touching on the right. the things that got you to where you're at, you're right? Exactly. You know, it's kind yeah. of and it's a good balance too, man. It's not, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a great we I think we ought to have a balance I don't think we should always just be the you know God this is Jimmy you know here's some things I want you to give me right and um, so it's not just about me 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 because I think we we learn a lot we haven't you know when we don't have you know I think sometimes our our greatest time spiritually is when we have to struggle through something and we have to learn something about ourselves that we wouldn't have learned had everything we asked for been given to us and and you can probably look back and say you know there are things that I was like. I prayed for these things to happen in my life years ago, and you look back, and I was like, "Man, I'm so thankful that those things didn't happen." Yeah, you know, and uh, so I think that. But I, I also don't. I, I don't think we should withhold our desires. So if there's things that we're passionate about that we think are good things, and we think that you know, if 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 I if I believe that my podcast could be a good thing for the world, why why you know, I always say this with me that because I I can be sometimes reserved about want to be too upfront and to be seen too much and I always have to remind myself that there's a lot of bad people who are seen all the time right and if people don't see me and other good people then all they see is shady people all they see is bad yep, people yep. so we need a voice too if you're gonna be upfront just yeah. make it be positive influence right. exactly yeah. so you talked about adding value to women in yeah, the new guy yeah. code yeah and you 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 talked about you brushed on it earlier with the girl who you didn't want to waste her time and yeah, she ended yeah. up meeting the man of her dreams yeah. that hit home with me because 
at first it's kind of like, well, how am I supposed to add value to this person? I don't know. And, and if I'm not interested in them, we're just going to cross paths and then yeah. keep moving. Mm -hmm. But people are brought into life yeah. for reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be your reason with her. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, about adding value to to women that you interact with. You know, these are tough things to say because sometimes even, not only from other guys, sometimes I get some of the most um, harsh crit, um, criticism from women. And because, you know, am I am I um, trying to look down on women? Why do, you know, who mm -hmm. why, why do you think we need your, you know, why, why should well, they, they They probably have that aspect and also yeah. they think, uh, mm -hmm. oh, you, because I have sex, you mm -hmm. must uh, think yeah. I'm not good enough for you. Yeah, or something, yeah. that type I, of I don't think that, you know, you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, like people, I don't know what this assumption is that people have this assumption that women are like, crawling down my door trying to get to me or something you know I'm like where are these invisible women that I'm everybody sure that everybody assumes I'm just sure wants to be some that want to be the first one though. yeah they, they're yeah. the you know the, the the chosen one yeah no it's not even like that and that just like I said you know I, I try to be very honest and upfront you know like the trust me man like one of the things that I always have to even protect from is that it's not that they're going to want to have sex with me is that I'm going to have want to have sex with them so it's not like I'm some kind of guy sitting up on some mountain and everyone's climbing up to get me I, I understand my own temptation of my own yeah. flesh and my own maleness as well too yep. you know and imagine if 90% of us had to spend times in our lives nine months out of the year carrying another human being in our in our in our lives you know I think there's just so many things that women have to go through in in life that we as men never have to I've been hearing recently that it's closer to 10 months yeah. pregnancy yeah. everyone <laughs> always says nine yeah and I think it's like almost like Almost yeah. 10. Well, you know, well, imagine though. You know, I think there's just certain things women have to go through that that men don't have to go through. You know, one of the the things that I always think about, like, you know, when you when you're when you if you go out in the middle of the night, you decide, you know, you want to go clear your head and go for a jog. You don't sit around thinking, man, some dude's gonna jump out and rape me. You know what I mean? Like, they have to think about that. That's that's a real issue. You know, they're they're on a college campus and. They feel they feel something. They're inspired to go write something because they want to create something. They can't just get up and go to the lab. That's crazy. You know, that's yeah, not safe. Like you, you never had to think about that. Yeah. And um, one of the things I learned, I saw this in in South Africa, and it. I wrote about this as well too because at Gulliver, because it, it par the parallel between Gulliver, which is a wealthy private school mm -hmm. here in Miami, and Pumalanga, South Africa. There, I saw something like a, you know, two common treads, and you see what women have to deal with throughout the world. They, these girls at Gulliver recently, right, just invented a straw that tracks date rape drugs. So they can put the straw in their drinks. Girls can bring this drink to the bar, and they can put what this, it changes the color. Yeah, or so it notices like the most common date rape drugs, and if it if it if it you know if the changes, then you know that your drink's been spiked, right? That's interesting, right? And so that, that that's interesting, and that's brilliant, and that's genius on the part of those girls. Imagine if those girls didn't have to think about that, right? Imagine what they could invent if they didn't have to think about that. You yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah, that's yeah. fight or flight. These are the things. What do I do when I'm fearful, when I'm scared? You know what I mean? So when the woman in, in Pumalanga, South Africa, where the rape numbers are so high, if she didn't have to worry about being raped every single day of her life, what could she do to make that society so much better? You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, what could her brain do if, if this fear didn't have to always be there? energy put towards exactly. these negative things. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I always say, man, it's like an offensive line. Tom Brady's not great by himself. 
Um, I think the, the Patriots have always had a great offensive line. And I think we do owe it to our women at times to at least at least create a society where they don't have to worry about some of the, the, the things that we, we naturally don't have to worry about. And I think just little small things like that can add value to their life. They say people are put into your life to either multiply, divide, add, or subtract. Yeah, yeah. And you want to keep the ones that add or multiply yeah, and not yeah. divide or subtract. Yeah. Who's been the biggest influence on you besides your family? I know you speak a lot about your mom, um, yeah. but have you had any mentors or role models uh, besides family members that you kind of have uh, mentored you into this role you're in now? Not into this role. Well, I, I think I have a lot of really good friends, and I have a lot. The good thing about it is that there are some who don't understand. Like even we talked about, you know, you, you shared your, your thoughts, but I think people you know, as much as you may say you don't understand it or you don't necessarily agree, you know, we're, we're always been open in our dialogue and been able to have these conversations. So overwhelmingly, I've had a lot of supporters, you know, and so they, this is very, that's been very, very good. I, I would say the sad part is um, a lot of supporters, a lot of friends, like-minded people. I have been also been let down by a lot of leaders in this, you know, and I, I've, uh, I, I would say when people tell me that they're frustrated with the church and, and and with Christians I'm and people. One of them. Exactly. I grew up Catholic yeah, yeah, exactly. and I'm not anymore. Yeah, and I'm not even because Christian you've seen anymore. It. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I would say, you know, even one of my first experiences being around a a pastor, you know, finding out about affairs and children mm -hmm. and all this stuff. It's as much as I have supporters and I have friends and I have like minded people, it's been important for me to carve a new way. You so know? some of the people that you believed in and, and had yeah. similar beliefs they weren't living the uh, life that yeah and it's they not even claimed yeah exactly preached. right and that's which it, is what i'm used to seeing right and that's why and that's what makes it so difficult and that's why it's so i think authenticity is so important that's why i always tell you when i when we talk about these things and we talk about these values and these objectives and the things that i aspire to please don't i don't want anyone to hear me say that these things are easy and these are like i just wake up and i want to do that no my most of the times the reason why I do read and try to focus in, in is because my natural inclination is to do the absolute, the, the opposite, sure. you know? Like, I know from playing basketball with you yeah. that you have as much testosterone yeah. and aggression in you <laughs> like me. Like, I'm, I'm full of those things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to fight and I want to yeah. curse and I want to yell and I want to, <laughs> like, be a man. Yeah, yeah. And all the other things that come with it. And <laughs> I know you're like that. Yeah, so I, I think that's really is being able to carve a new way because if we can do this, if this, if the new guy code becomes a reality, I, I think there's so much change that can happen. There's good, positive change that happens in the world. Someone made a, make a comment to, to me about... Um, that they didn't need me to protect their vagina, you know? And I always say, you know, that's always a great comment coming from your Seattle coffee shop, you know, in your place of, of privilege. You know, you know, go go talk to three hundred girls who get who got kidnapped and who literally and, need and, help exactly protecting yeah, in their vagina. Yeah. You know, talk about the the woman who, you know, you go to Central Asia where a woman could be grabbed off the street and, and a bunch of people would just sit there and watch her and nobody would even try to help her because that's just a part normal part of their society so we can say all these things from a point of, of comfort and privilege because we don't face those risks every day you know when you were just speaking about uh mentors maybe letting you down stuff mm -hmm. like that it, it reminded me of a time i started working for a real estate company yeah. i really looked up to it was a man and a woman who ran the company mm -hmm. they were good friends 
it was a female CEO, a male CEO that ran the company together, great, successful company. And I looked up to both of them, and yeah, uh, yeah. business-wise anyway, and then I thought so family-wise. Yeah. Maybe a few months into the job, we went on a, a, a trip, uh, like the annual yeah. convention or whatever, yeah. and we're out of town. And I see these men that I looked up to in the mm -hmm. company. I want to be like these guys. These guys are making a lot of money. They're mm -hmm. successful. They have yeah. a happy wife and kids. As soon as we leave town, shit hits the fan. Yeah. They're calling up chicks from other companies that they screw with every time yeah. there's a, a convention, yeah. you know, running around doing things behind their wives' back right. and talking openly to Absolutely. us about it. Yep. And to me, I was like, wait a minute. So the guy I'm working for, mm -hmm. this is how he treats his wife. Yeah. How's he going to treat me? Exactly. exactly. Why do I want to work for this yeah. guy? I mm -hmm. went to the woman right. who was ran the company with the guy. And told her, I don't know if I want to work for this company. Yeah, I left. Yeah. I left the company. Yeah. And I was uncomfortable. Listen, I am far from the yeah. holier-than-thou guy. Yeah, I don't yeah. think my shit doesn't stink. Yeah. But it, I didn't think it made sense trusting yeah. someone in a Absolutely. position of power that Absolutely. treats his own wife yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm 100% I'm with you. Actually, I have a, a principle on that. Uh, I don't do business with people who, who cheat on their spouses. And they, just for that, like, if you can't... Why would they be honest yeah, to yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Why, <laughs> why, would why they do be? you think yeah. you're special? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think absolutely. In your opinion, how much does religion play a role in your abstinence? Would you say, if you had to put it on a percentage, based on, like, yeah. your own morals yeah. and I, then religion? I, I think it's the, you know, and, and so that, that's actually a great question, right? Um, I always say this, in, you know, Hundo Eats. You're you're a food guy. Yes, sir. You're a food guy. So, you go you go to you go to a restaurant, right? I go to a lot of restaurants. You go to a lot of restaurants. <laughs> you're in the toilet. You smell something in the toilet. Somebody's doing number two, right? Yeah. You see the chef walk out of the. Ah. Uh, you right? The chef walks out. Ah. Uh, are you are you you know? And he's going back in the kitchen to make your food. Are you happy about that? If he like did, is there a conversation? See, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking. No, you know, you're, it doesn't matter what he washed his hand. You're thinking about it, though, right? Yeah. Because the chef, the chef who's preparing your food, just got out of the toilet doing a nasty. Yeah. And you saw that, and it yeah. makes you uncomfortable because of the position that I'm in. I can't say what you do or what what anybody else does. There are certain people for me that need me to live a certain way. And so, is it always fair? Do I always do I always like it? Do I feel sometimes like I'm, you know, that I'm isolated, that I'm by myself, that I'm in? Do I feel that way sometimes? Absolutely. But you, there's a chance that you may not feel the way about me if you knew that I had this trail of relationships that were broken that didn't work out, and then you know, sure. you understand what I'm saying? Sure. So ultimately, for the greater good, I understand that in my role as who I am as a chaplain as a minister, as a new guy code guy. That, that doesn't mean that things can't happen, but you respect me a lot more because there's no story, there's not a, a list of stories back there to, to go to. So it's not necessarily, we understand that people use the bathroom, but you're a little bit uncomfortable with the chef using the bathroom in your presence. You're talking to the right guy, like yeah, I'm the yeah, kind yeah. of guy who gets uncomfortable yeah, about that type and, stuff. and so for me, I, you know, and unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a chef in the bathroom if I don't watch some of my actions. Yeah. You know, and Paul says this in his writings. If me eating food causes somebody to go off track, man, then I'll just become a vegan. You know? And so I'll, I'll become a vegan if it's going to cause you to go off track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if I'm... If Make it, that if, sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. If, 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 if me having a beer causes you to become an alcoholic, I'll just have a beer at home. 
Do you feel like you'd be letting yourself down if you had sex at this point? Um, no. I, well, let's I, say I, let's say you you were dating somebody and you yeah. had a moment of weakness and you had sex yeah, with her yeah. and then you never did again and then you <laughs> kept living as yeah yeah. No, I think you're thinking that I'm too perfect. You know, just like I said, you know, I've had um, you know, just like I said in, in over this this period of my life, there has been challenges. You know, there have actually been lines that have been crossed sexually in that time. Do you feel guilt? Do you feel yeah, shame? Yeah, there can be. There, no, it's not, a, you know, ultimately because, you know, what, again, a part of our, my belief is, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, you know, not to bring shame and guilt, but to, I don't think that guilt comes from God. I don't think that uh, shame comes from God. But I think there's accountability. And I think um, it's, it's for me, I have to look at each situation and say, um, is this does this rep truly represent what I believe and what I want this relationship to be? You know, and ultimately, and I think part of it too is like I haven't necessarily been in on a whole lot of long term relationships. So for me to to be in that situation consistently is not is not necessarily healthy. So it's not really a, a issue of of guilt and shame, but I think responsibility, accountability. That sucks. It kind of sucks though. Yeah, yeah, no, well, it's just a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I mean, because I, I think you should be able to yeah. have those meaningful, long-lasting relationships yeah. that everybody. No, does. no, and I'm not saying that's not for it. I think that's part of my. It, that, I think some of those things are personal and personality. Like I, I think we talked about it at lunch. You know, I think you can find out as much as you need to know about a person within three weeks, and you can confirm it within six. Oh, yeah. And then, and then also too, you know, I understand, and this is something that I have to become comfortable with that I'm not for everyone, you know? And I think most people that I know respect me, they, they support me, they encourage me. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, but I understand that, you know, I, I live a certain kind of way, and that's not for everyone. And I think there are times where people would say, well, Che is great, but man, that's another level, you know? And, and that's fine. You know, I, I once had a great conversation with um, an ex-NBA executive I was asking him about Magic Johnson because he was very close to Magic Johnson at his, in his prime. And I was like, what's it like coaching Magic Johnson? And he says, you know, the thing about Magic is that Magic brought this intensity to practice every single day. And it's not necessarily, people say, well, he's, he's six foot nine and he's this and he's that. Mm -hmm. There's this like little, little zone that these, that people who do great things, they go into this little space. Yeah. And is it possible that of the thousands of players that come along that somebody could have replicated that or even replicated Jordan or replicated? Yeah, but you have to be willing to go to that extra space that not a lot of people are willing to I feel to like to. someone like him mm -hmm. or someone like yourself who lives at a certain mm -hmm. standard, mm -hmm. you kind of force that standard on those around yeah, you. Yeah. Not in a, a pushy way, not yeah. in a... I, I, make, I make people uncomfortable. I yes. make people uncomfortable. Yes. And I, 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 have, I have no clue, clue why. I have never done anything to, to, to say, like, you know, like, I want people to be, but people, I, I make people uncomfortable. I think so. Yeah, people people assume that I know their story when they look at me. They, they think that I've read their book, you know? I, it yeah. reminds me of, like, growing up playing sports, mm -hmm. there would be, like, even if I was, like, better, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. than this kid mm -hmm. at a sport, maybe he was, he was just, like, one of those free throw shooters who doesn't miss, mm -hmm. and it's just, like, 
man, why can't I shoot like that? Like, why can he do? And I would feel this like, yeah. like, why is this person so perfect? Yeah, and it's you like, know, like yeah. that. I think that's the un- I would be uncomfortable. Yeah, and like then, he's doing something that I'm not doing, and I need to figure out how to do that. Right, and that's the huge. Obviously, the, that's a huge mistake for anyone who looks at me because I, I, you know, I'm I'm furthest from perfect. You know what I mean? Obviously, again, going back to basketball, how many times have you seen me flare up on a basketball court? Yeah. More than it, not only anyone of my position more than anyone you know what I mean? yeah like, you're the loudest guy on the team exactly exactly so i mean anyone who's who knows me know that i'm i'm far from perfect but i, I think what i think what i think people understand that i understand what my calling is that i'm committed to my call and i'm committed to it every day and I, and I think this is really it most people say they want to do something in the world and they want to make the world better so they they share a post or they write a comment I get up every day fully committed to doing it. And that. you live it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I know I, you do. You know, so it's like, and it's not, this isn't about abstinence or sex. Like every single day of my life, I am I wake up trying to think about something to make the world better. Yeah. And I, you know, so I, I, I can understand that most people just want to cruise. You know what I mean? They just, people are just trying to get by. I'm just trying to get make it to 80, man, and yeah. not have, you know, yeah. and not have some kind of disease where I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get all I can out of this thing, you know, and I, I think that does make people uncomfortable. I agree. There's a story in one of your books, and you spoke about it in the TED Talk, uh-huh. about your mom likes to tell stories. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. About your dad <laughs> being caught in the home uh-huh. of his, of your mom's yeah, father, yeah, or yeah, your mom's yeah, yeah, family. Yeah, he's at my, yeah, he's at so, my parents' house. back in Jamaica, yeah. set the stage, tell the story, because I like that story, because it kind of mm-hmm. shows where your morals came from. Yeah. The nature versus nurture part mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. So part of that story. So one thing you have to understand, like my, we don't have like a history of abuse in our family at all. Um, we don't have, you know, my. You're my, lucky. Yeah. My, yeah, my, 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 my grandfather wasn't hitting my mom or he wasn't hitting my grandma, but he was temperamental. And he, my grandfather had this shop at the top of the town. So in Jamaica, you have these little small shops. So the, if you own one of these shops, you basically, you go to the market, you basically buy in bulk. It's like you went to Costco yep. or a BJ's and you bought in bulk and you sold it to the community. You drove like the, the hour to get the stuff and yeah, then you brought it back yeah, to the village. Yeah, to the local, yeah. And so, then they can walk there. Exactly, and- yeah. So people would literally come there and like, I want two Advils, not an Advil bottle. Like you'd go there because you had a headache. So mm-hmm. you got enough to solve the headache for the moment, right? Yep. So my... My grandfather was noticeably temperamental. You know what I mean? Like he would kick dudes out of his shop all the time. Yeah, it was yeah. like this thing, this old Jamaican, come out of my shop. You know, like you, everybody remembers Olin. That's what we called him. So he he wasn't the kind of guy you wanted to be messing with. You don't want to be at his house sneaking around if he didn't know you were supposed to be there. You know. And my mom, one day they're 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 younger and they're starting to date a little bit. He invites my mom invites him over because he had gone out to the shop and my grandma and him had gone away to market to get some stuff for the shop my my parents are hanging out when they're younger and as he's getting ready to leave my mom is still nervous and my mom will still get nervous telling the story right now this is at the very beginning of their relationship getting to know each other exactly and my mom you ask her you tell her you ask her to tell her the story she still is shaking when she's telling the story (laughs) and she's like okay well you need to leave now so you don't so he doesn't come back and see you here well, he's walking up the stairs and runs into my grandfather on the way out. And my mom assumes that hell is about to break loose, you know what I mean? Because that's what she expects from knowing my dad, my grandfather's personality of seeing another man in the house with his daughter. 
and they're just having this normal casual conversation and really what happened is that my dad would go to the shop in the evenings he would go about his business but he had always impressed my grandfather as being a stand-up guy you know and everything that he did so you know when you tell when that when when I've told this story and I've talked to my cousins and talked to people older they would say the majority of guys that would come into that shop if they would have been in that situation my grandfather would have lost it on them but my dad showed character in that moment showed that he was a man of character even before he was in the house and because it was him in the house with his daughter he didn't lose it like he normally would have you know and so I think a lot of the, what I get I get a lot of character from my dad um, I, I've just you know so many things about him I, I just respect so much you know so I, I would say going back you said outside of family but within family I, my, I can definitely sell it to my dad yeah for you know for values and morals and you know that's a cool story man we've reached the keeping it a hundo segment yeah. of the show yeah. you can relax now cool maybe not I'm gonna try to make you a little uncomfortable yeah yeah if there's like one celebrity or person on TV or something that you could smash oh my gosh who would it be oh my god now I know you don't like to objectify I'm using yeah, these yeah. words uh huh is there somebody you have a, like a little celebrity crush on ah man celebrity crush I don't What's her name from Saving the Last Dance? The sister, not the, not the girlfriend, who's married to the, the ex Eagles football player, the ex football player, Nas Asama or whatever. Uh, Kerry Washington. I uh, think Kerry Washington okay. is beautiful. Scandal. Huh? Scandal. Yeah. She uh, says yeah. she's. I don't yeah. watch Scandal, but she's the star of Scandal. Yeah, I think Kerry okay. Washington is. Kerry Washington's yeah, dope. Is beautiful. Right. Um, yeah, so well, not to not to not to smash. Not like, to smash. She just like she thinks she's, she's attractive. Yeah, she's beautiful. Woman. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bigger accomplishment: getting a book published or being abstinent for twelve years or whatever the number is now. Oh, definitely. Let me say pursuing abstinence. Yeah, pursuing abstinence is, is definitely the bigger accomplishment in, in our area. Anyway, you can. It's easy to publish. But pursuing abstinence. Why do you say pursuing? Because I could say I'm pursuing it, but I could be failing. Yeah. You well, are successful, no? Yeah. Successfully uh, pursuing. Yeah, successfully pursuing. I mean, obviously, just like I said, you know, the, I've I've had my own hiccups. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you yeah, say yeah. A hiccup, well, yeah, I'm not consistent. Yeah, I'm not. I'm a hiccup doesn't mean like I'm. Have consistent. you had sex? Huh? Recently? No. You're just saying you messed around or something. No, or... no. There, yes, there. I've had my stumbles along that journey. Now, am I am I going around? Okay, this leads to that. That no, I usually I'm very good at. Okay, this was this was a stumble. This was an error. Now let's let's reverse course. You know what I mean? Does so, that usually end the relationship though? Not necessarily. No. No. Another tough one. Tough to objectify, but mm -hmm. white women or black women? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you you remember our, uh, I had a our uh, one of my roommates from college. You'll. You, you remember Carl Carl Walker? Yeah, I still talk to Carl. Yeah, Carl. Uh, I was at a, a UM game, basketball game this year, and his wife comes up to me and he says, "Shay, uh, I want to ask you a question." And he's like, "I don't want you to be offended." I was like, "I was like, what are you, what are you asking me?" And I think she's gonna ask me if I'm gay, and she's like. Do you date black girls? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where did I develop this reputation? I, um, I, I think I'm more into who the person is. To me, I thought you were more open. I don't see you as like, oh, he only likes this or he yeah, likes yeah. that. I didn't I'm very know. open. Yeah, I've uh, dated and liked and been attracted to everyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Top five rappers that are alive. Ooh, top five rappers. Um, good one. So this is just like I said. Don't always agree with them, but yeah, uh, Jay Z won for longevity. I think in a bubble, obviously you have to go with Biggie and Pac for what they did. But mm -hmm. obviously they both died before they were twenty five. So mm -hmm. you know, um, not as prolific as some people out there. But yeah, yeah. Well, Biggie isn't anyway. Yeah, Nas. Who would be five? I'm not arguing with any of these. Yeah. Five. You know, in in his time, being a South Florida kid, I was really feeling Trick Daddy at his time. You know? I love it. Yeah. You got you to gotta take time, the local you know? guy. Yeah. That's the first trick I've got. Yeah. But I get the other four are on a lot of people's lists, including yeah. mine. There's nothing like a, a South Florida dude. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like calling out cities that you're familiar with. Exactly. Yeah. It, it made it, it made it, things feel more important. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Do you think religion is worth it? For all the war and all the death and all the sexual abuse, yeah. everything that, that it's caused, mm -hmm. is it still worth it? Is it still the path to heaven? You know, I, I don't, I think we're going to have to really, we're going to get to a point where we have to really define what religion is. Um, so, despite what you may think, I'm actually not a huge fan of religion. Um, I think religion. Um, has a tendency to become corrupt. Um, I think it does... Polarizing. Yeah, it's polarizing. Nor do I necessarily, going back to Scripture for me, I have never seen a focus on that necessarily Jesus came to establish religion. He came to establish a way of life. You know, where religion came about, really, a lot of times, um, for instance, early Christians, whatever, what, you know, a plague would break out in the city, and people would just run away and leave the dying. And groups of people would stay back and hang out with the people who were dying. And so what they people started to say, let's call them Christians because they act like Christ. So somewhere along the line, we became religious and we wanted to get tied in with government. We wanted to get tied into different institutions. And I think it always, um, it has a way of diluting the purity of the message. So I'm not always a, necessarily a big fan of religion. I am not. I'm I'm anti organized religion. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that I always it's easy for us sometimes, again, we sit in a place of comfort. And sometimes I wanna be a little bit I don't wanna come off as being religious and I don't wanna be acting like I'm pushing but sometimes I, I forget that people I can say things to people and sometimes people need to know that there's something bigger than them out there. You know what I mean? Sometimes there are certain things that happen in our lives that are so uncertain that are so like, what the heck is going on? And uh, the idea that it doesn't matter what happens, there's something bigger than us that loves us, that cares about us, that is very comforting to me, and that is comforting to people. I would argue that me and you are very close in our we, ideas on We religion. may be, we may be. Yeah, but at the same time, and, and when I say too about, when we talk about even God, I always say, to, I always tell people like, don't 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 listen to anything because I say it. But why are you so curious about it? That there must be something there that makes you so curious about it. Why the book though? Why the Bible? Hmm? Why is that the book to live by? Because I'm not sure about the Bible. Jesus presents a the the Jesus message presents a radical way of living. That let, let's say it's it's not God's word, but let's just say a a couple decided that they were gonna live it out themselves just as a, as a way of doing things. 
And they decided that the husband said, I'm going to love you greater than I love myself. And the wife said, I'm going to love you greater than I love myself. That level of selflessness is transformative. And that's why we, even though Gandhi was a Hindu, Gandhi actually practiced Jesus. Martin Luther King practiced Jesus. And this was why we admire Martin Luther King, because the, the easy thing was to do was to say, hate whitey, kill whitey. He said, love them. They're just, they just don't understand who they are. America, Martin Luther King would say, America just doesn't understand that it, it's better than this. He didn't say, you're terrible, America. He said, you're better than this. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that was, that, that was Jesus. You know, so I think that's where even if we don't, you don't necessarily believe that it's that it's it's inspired, that it's it's God. The when when people can think about others outside of themselves, we know that the world is always better that way. And we know that when people only think about themselves and what they can do for themselves, then the world is always worse off. You played some football at the U. <laughs> Top three University of Miami football players of all time. Oh man, I'm not. You know, I'm the, I'm certainly not qualified to talk about You're not about the historian or whatnot. Yeah, I'm not the historian. I, I would say modern. Yeah, yeah, let's talk M modern. Yeah, modern. If we're going to say modern, let, let's go back to, well, I think we go back to the 80s and I think that becomes easy. Michael Irvin, you know, Ray Lewis, and I think you could, and there may even be greater than that, you know what I mean? Because you've got the, you know, it, it seems like you have so many great players. I mean, Warren Sapp. I, I would say this. Outside of LeBron James, the most impressive athlete I've ever seen is Sean Taylor. John Taylor. I mm -hmm. thought you were going to say that. Yeah, he's the most impressive athlete I've ever seen. Outside. That you've been around yeah, and exactly. actually yeah. seen with your own eyes. Yeah, he, they, that guy just had everything. He had everything. Like, bigger, faster, stronger, nastier. He was just the perfect football player. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. and so he's, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, miss him. And, uh, yeah, but he's... Talking about just an impressive athlete. Yeah. Hey, that's that's the answer. Top three of all time, Sean Taylor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steel cage match. Who you got? Che Guevara <laughs> versus Michael Che. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael Che. You're going to take Michael <laughs> yeah, Che? Yeah, exactly. I'm in Miami. I'll show all right. <laughs> so the winner of that has yeah. to take on Che Scott. Yeah. Who you got? Yeah. Che Scott versus Michael Che. Yeah, I go with Michael Che. Yeah? Yeah. Damn. Do you remember where and when you were the last time you had sex? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do. <laughs> Any details? No. No details. No? No. College? <laughs> no details. Okay. All right. Last question. <laughs> Death row meal. What are you having? Hundo Eats, you know? We oh got to talk food gosh. to close it out. You know, it's funny. I'm the complete opposite of you. And, as far uh, as what? When it comes to food. Like, I, I, maybe I need to just have better food experiences. You mean that food isn't that important to you? No. Food for me. Like, when, peop when people, when I travel, I'm, like, just trying to find something that give me some kind of Oh, just to give you energy yeah. for it to keep moving. Yeah. Food, food for oh, me. Food for me is what keeps me from dying. That, oh that's the you know God. what I mean. I'm I'm that's I'm dead serious. Like, eat to live. Yeah, I live to eat. Yeah, like two I, different things. Yeah. I was like, if, if if I could find a way not to to not eat and not die. <laughs> you don't want to start hanging out with me more though, yeah. because it's gonna get expensive. Yeah, trust me, yeah. it's expensive. Yeah, because funny when I you know you see me, I, I go on some of these trips and people are talking about, oh well, this is what these 
this restaurant and all this stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's I'm not like, your thing. I go to a coffee shop, grab a coffee and a that's crazy, <laughs> and a salad, man. I'm you do a some wrap. great traveling, yeah. but you're leaving out this huge yeah. piece of. I'm traveling. like, I'm trying to find like a fruit stand, like somebody will make me a smoothie or something, like you know, with soy milk or almond milk. Oh and, man, and that that's it. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. So we don't even have a death row meal. <laughs> it's funny. I wouldn't even know what to do. You know, because I, I know what you would you would have you would probably have something your mother's home cooking yeah. something that reminds I, you of home. I, I do like I do like um, I Jamaican food. So yeah, like, I guess like a, a curry chicken meal. Would Love be a great it. Meal. Yeah, some plantains or yeah, some yeah, rice yeah. and peas. Exactly, rice and peas, curry chicken, ginger beer. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, a red stripe. Beer. Yeah, red stripe. Yeah. Okay. That's about it, Shay. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having. doing this. That was my conversation with Chase Scott. This episode differed quite a bit from last week. I hope you enjoyed the contrast between Diamond and Che. If you have any questions for either of them concerning their lifestyles or their profession, feel free to leave those questions underneath the comments section in the podcast app or on Facebook or Instagram on the posts where I advertise their podcast. There's got to be some questions I didn't ask that you were hoping I did and I just dropped the ball. Very interesting people with very different lifestyles. If you know of anybody else who you think would be a great guest to have on Keeping It A Hundo, please leave it in my comments section as well. Make sure you're downloading and subscribing and continue to enjoy listening to Keeping It A Hundo. I'm Maddie Hundo. See you next week.